Hello, and welcome back to I Don't Imagine Anyone's Listening, the podcast where I talk about basically whatever I want because I don't imagine that anyone's listening. I'm your host, Monica Marie Durr, a certified internet nobody who also has a real job, but that's considerably less interesting. Today, I'm going to do something possibly a little bit different, depending on if I've established a pattern of what I do by now. It's kind of up for debate, I suppose. Anyway, today I'm going to read you some poetry. Yes, I know. I am also surprised because I don't really like poetry. <laughs> um, I appreciate it as a concept, art form, third thing, but it's not really my thing. It's not something I'm into or even really care about. But as a person who has been in multiple academic situations, I've had to read some poetry, and more entertainingly, I've had to write some poetry. Basically, what's going to happen is I'm going to read some of my poems, and then we all have a good laugh about how terrible my poetry is, because I'm pretty sure that it's terrible. Also, some of these poems have mildly entertaining stories to go along with them, but anyway, we'll get to that. I'd like to start, however, with a good poem, because even though poetry's not my favorite form of li literature, writing, art, worded, wordage, poetry's not my favorite form of wordage. I do appreciate a good poem when I come across one. So, I'd like to start with a poem whose name I can never remember. It's by Robert Browning, and now, for the moment, I know that it is called My Last Duchess. I can never remember that, and I always have to Google Robert Browning portrait poem, and it comes up. So, having said this out loud, Robert Browning, My Last Duchess, poem that I like, Maybe I'll remember it in the future. Who can say? That's my last duchess painted on the wall, looking as if she were alive. I call that piece a wonder now. Fra Pandolf's hands worked busily a day, and there she stands. Will't please you to sit and look at her, I said, Fra Pandolf by design, for never read strangers like you that pictured countenance. The depth and passion of its earnest glance, but to myself they turned, since none puts by the curtain that I have drawn for you but I, and seemed as they would ask me, if they durst, how such a glance came there. So, not the first, are you to turn and ask thus, Sir, twas not her husband's presence only called that spot of joy into the duchess' cheek. Perhaps Fra Pandolf chanced to say, Her mantle laps over my lady's wrist too much, or paint must never hope to reproduce the faint half-flush that dies along her throat. Such stuff was courtesy, she thought, and cause enough for calling up that spot of joy. She had a heart, how shall I say, too soon made glad, too easily impressed. She liked whate'er she looked on, and her looks went everywhere. Sir, twas all one, my favor at her breast, the dropping of the daylight in the west, the bough of cherries some officious fool broke in the orchard for her, the white mule she rode with round the terrace, all and each would draw from her alike the approving speech, or blush at least. She thanked men, good, but thanked somehow, I know not how, as if she ranked my gift of a nine hundred years old name with anybody's gift, who'd stoop to blame this sort of trifling. Even had you skill in speech, which I have not, to make your will quite clear to such an one, and say, just this or that in you disgust me, here you miss, or there exceed the mark, 
And if she let herself be lessened so, nor plainly set her wits to yours, forsooth, and made excuse, e'en then she would be some stooping, and I chose never to stoop. Oh, sir, she smiled, no doubt, whene'er I passed her, but who passed without much the same smile? This grew, I gave commands, then all smiles stopped together. There she stands as if alive. Will't please you rise? We'll meet the company below, then. I repeat, the count your master's known munificence is ample warrant that no just pretense of mine will for dowry be disallowed, though his fair daughter's self, as I avowed at starting, is my object. Nay, we'll go together down, sir. Notice Neptune, though, taming a seahorse, though a rare thought a rarity which Klaus of Innisbrook cast in bronze for me. So if nothing else, we've learned that I'm not great at reading poetry, but that's a good poem that I like. But a guy in a portrait of a lady, and he's describing said portrait of a lady to another dude whose daughter he hopes to marry. The guy who owns the portrait is not a super savior character. Anyway, that's all of the literary poetry criticism I'm going to do because that's about as all as I can muster because I don't really know anything about poetry in case I haven't said that a bajillion times already. So now, to contrast that, I'm going to read you some of my poetry, which is almost certainly terrible, but it'll be fun for somebody. So when I was in my last semester of college, I was studying abroad and I needed one English credit to graduate. So I took a creative writing class because I thought it would be fun. And, you know, it, it was. Uh, in the first half of the semester, we wrote short stories. And in the second half, we wrote some poetry. I've looked back on some of mine. It is some of these poems, because my original plan was to read you all of the poems I wrote in this class. I've since amended that because some of the poems are much more personal and intimate than I recall. So don't, even though they're not good poems, I don't really want to share them with everyone, even if everyone who listens to this knows me personally. Still. So I'm going to read you some of the other ones. I'll read you the poem first. And then, a little background on this as well, uh, with these poems that I was assigned to write, I discovered halfway through the process that part of the final thing I was turning in was not just the completed poem, but I was supposed to turn in all of the earlier versions so that the professor could see the writing and revision process. I didn't do any of that. I just wrote the last, I just wrote a poem and decided it was good enough. So I had to reverse engineer (laughs) earlier versions. So I'm going to read you the first slash last version because I don't know what happened to those reverse engineered revisions. This first one that I wrote is called Hostel. As in youth hostel, not antagonistic. Okay. Hostel. I made my bed with sheets, clean, crisp, and white, but I'm not lying in it. I gave it to someone else. Perhaps he was younger, older, wearier, needier. I gave my bed to him, and I slept on the floor. Story behind this poem. Originally, I titled this poem Sheets. My professor suggested that I retitle it Hostel, and I I did because it seemed like a good suggestion, and I thought I would just go with it because I didn't really care. But I wanted to call it Sheets. And this whole situation was inspired by a couple of things. One, I learned that a convention is poetry. A convention in poetry is to take a common phrase and change it somehow. And that starts a poem. 
There's probably a term for that. I don't know what it is. The second thing that inspired this was that whilst I was studying abroad in Austria, my favorite day was clean sheet day because every two weeks we would all go down to the laundry room and we would trade in our dirty sheets and we would get clean sheets. And I was always very excited about the prospect of clean sheets. So there's that one. Moving on. Another part of this assignment was to imitate other poets. You know, proper poets. I am not going to read all of these because, as previously stated, not very good. Also, a couple of them, weirdly personal. So we're going to start with this one called The Fort. And I was attempting to imitate Yeats. I couldn't name a single poem by Yeats. I don't know if I was a very good imitation, but if any of you know anything more about poetry... I don't know, you can judge me? I mean, you're gonna judge me anyway, and I welcome your judgment because I think it's funny. Anyway, this is my imitation of Yeats. It's called The Fort. I walked through the forest of my childhood and recalled the games we played in that wood. A twiggy skeleton still remains, our fort, the seat from where we'd both preside, our court, of who'd lost and who'd won. Then we'd appeal to a higher power who taught us the rules and sealed the fate of one or the other, usually me. And then we'd return to the fort, and it had moved to the sea, and now we were pirates, Paul the captain, navigating his ship through the storm, and then a call from afar brought us back in time, the world we were just now in only in our minds. That same call brings me back now and chatters my thought. The moment is gone. I don't know if it matters. Uh, it rhymes. Well done, me. Story behind this poem is a bit of a lie. So I've combined two things in my head. I've, I have a memory of a big leaf fort in the woods behind my house. I don't know if that's a real memory. It could be fake. I could have imagined this leaf fort. It's a distinct possibility. The pirate thing came from some big rocks at the lake that we imagined were a pirate ship. That is real. The, the rocks and the pretending to be pirates. That's real. That is a real memory that I didn't make up. I did, however, conflate those two things for the sake of shitty poetry. All right, one more. This one, I was imitating Frost. It is called Buzz Buzz. She'd come to say goodbye, but the words could not come surrounded by so many more. Her friend he'd been for years, but they'd both lost track of the time since they'd last spoke. An invitation and a message passed from son to mother to mother to daughter, brought her to the yard on that wet evening in June. Summer does not really begin in New Hampshire until after the French storm the bestie. So on that wet evening in June, she'd come to say goodbye. She saw the rainbow pile... <laughs> I'm sorry. She saw the rainbow pile of envelopes filled with well wishes and cash. Words, more words. They flew around... <laughs> They flew around their heads and were on the card in the girl's hand. Thanks for coming, the boy said. He hadn't thought she would. She hadn't wanted to, she thought. She hadn't wanted to, she thought she ought. <laughs> Wouldn't miss it. She pushed, she pushed the lie past her lips. The words of others hung around them in a cloud, a great cloud of constant noise, sounds without meaning. I need to get something from the car, she said. He nodded. She turned and walked through the grass, feet cold from the wet. She turned on the heat in June. She did not come back. He did not notice that she did not return. The cloud of words took him up to join the rest. <laughs> okay, I probably should have read that one through beforehand because I forgot just how stupid it is. 
So first, the title, Buzz Buzz, is a reference to Hamlet. Because <laughs> I, even 10 years ago, or excuse me, not quite, not 10 years ago, five, five or six years ago, was pretentious little a-hole. So Buzz Buzz is a reference to Hamlet, where he, it's one of my favorite lines in Hamlet, and he says Buzz Buzz. And also, I don't know if it's the same line, but I always associate Buzz Buzz, there has been much throwing around of brains. I think those are two separate lines. They might be in the same scene. Anyway, Buzz Buzz is from Hamlet, and he's just talking about people saying things without any meaning. The circumstances of this poem are all true. Um, it was my friend's graduation party. I didn't want to go, but I went. <laughs> uh, I, I Irish exited this, par this party. I, I showed up. I delivered my card. I, I think I ate a meatball sub and then I left without telling anybody. So that's the story behind that poem. It's not my finest moment, but it is much funnier than I remembered it being. So there is that. To wrap this all up, I want to read one more proper poem. It is Shakespeare. You should not be surprised. It is my favorite poem of all time. It is Shakespeare's sonnet number 27. I, I first stumbled upon it in an assignment in college, and I... It is the only one that I can still retain any lines from. I don't still have the whole thing memorized, so I am going to read it. Anyway, without further ado, Shakespeare's sonnet number 27. Weary with toil, I haste me to my bed, the dear repose for limbs with travel tired, but then begins a journey in my head to work my mind when body's work expired. For then my thoughts from far where I abide and tend a zealous pilgrimage to thee and keep my drooping eyelids open wide, looking on darkness which the blind do see. Save that my soul's imaginary sight presents thy shadow to my sightless view, which, like a jewel hung in ghastly night, makes black night beauteous and her old face new. Lo, thus, by day my limbs, by night my mind, for thee and for myself no quiet find. So there you have it. That's my experience with poetry, both good and my own. <laughs> um, I hope you enjoy that experience as much as I did, because, man, that was much funnier than I thought it was going to be. That's all I got. Uh, thanks for listening. Per usual, you can find me on the socials. They're in the description or the episode notes or whatever it's called. Um, go ahead and give those a click. You can go to my website. I don't know if there's anything of interest there, though. By the time I publish this, there might be. You never know. I might get stuff done. Thank you for listening, and uh, I hope you come back.